Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Well, it happened again uh, yesterday. I was out and somebody turned to me and they said, Hey, you look like Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> somebody else phoned to me and they said, Hey, you look like a drunk Brad Pitt. You gotta stop hanging out inside of lens crafters. <laughs> no, it didn't happen. I'm just going to keep that going for a while. <laughs> In the news, Lucky had uh, Scotiabank and Timmy's uh, holding back money for men's hockey in Hockey uh, Canada. I also heard yesterday that uh, Quebec has said they are not going to be giving any more of their registration money over. Yeah, I had that in the news as well. Oh, did yeah, I yeah. miss that one? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's big, right? Each province, each uh, uh, sector of hockey uh, collects registration fees, and part of that fee goes to Hockey Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think parents reading the room uh, and and those organizations provincially are saying, well, listen, if, if the money isn't going to support the play of hockey mm-hmm. and the development of hockey... Uh, then that's not what we signed up for. We didn't sign up for our money going to protect lawsuits and pay off Mm -hmm. uh, potential victims. And huge piles of it. Um, And I didn't realize this. I guess every every province has cut a different deal. So I think Quebec is like $10 per family or per player, whereas... uh, uh, Ontario was at twenty four dollars per it's play or something. Yeah. So yeah, it's a big chunk of change, and uh, it is amazing to me. You know, you you look back at uh, I believe there was an issue in the RCMP, certainly in our in our uh, military, where there was allegations, and people stepped down, people moved aside. They said, look, uh, I, we got to make this right, and and the fact that Hockey Canada is standing so strong on this, but also there is a real divide with this. Uh, some feel that were coming down and the government's coming down way too hard on hockey and Hockey Canada when they didn't and they weren't as tough on other organizations. Some say they're not being nearly tough enough on Hockey Canada when they've been tougher on organizations. It seems like our love of hockey is kind of clouding our vision on this thing for some. Well, well I mean, certainly I think when you when you say the word hockey, it, it gets the headline yeah. that um, that others may not. It's also not necessarily a private company in that mm-hmm. sense, right? In, in that it's taking funds from the hockey players across Canada. Right. Um, it's also incredibly high profile in the sense that it hosts world events and the World Juniors have been a staple uh, for Hockey Canada for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, and one of its biggest marquee events and some drawing more attention to the World Juniors than to NHL uh, action in some parts of the country. So it's it really is a, a, a massive deal mm-hmm. in terms of you know the fact that they're they're pushing back, and you know Andrea Skinner is the, is the new you know interim boss yep. at Hockey Canada, and you know there's rumors now that maybe she was just hired on by the board to just toe the line and listen and push what their narrative is because they don't seem to be reading the room very well when it comes to the sentiment of Canadians and how they feel, especially you know Canadian hockey parents who, as one, I don't want to see. Uh, this type of behavior, my my kids are asking about it now. Oh, sure they right, would. and and so you know, what is this hockey Canada? Why why is the World Juniors? Why is Tim Hortons involved? I've had those questions now, mm-hmm. and you've got to explain that. Well, 
some older boys were acting very badly. Yeah. And uh, the organization has decided to... Young you know, men, really. Yeah, back yeah. them. Well, they're 16 and 17. Well, right. at that age, are probably 18 or 19. But uh, regardless, I, to have to explain it to your kid mm-hmm. uh, now, because they hear it in the headlines, it's got to deal with hockey and it's got to deal with Tim Hortons, and that's a big deal to them. Yeah, no, for sure. And you travel in that circle. You know a lot of uh, hockey parents and your association with the generals and such. So... What, what do other parents are all are all parents kind of united? Do you find in this uh, idea that the heads have to roll at Hockey Canada and a new board has to be put together, or are some defending it? Because I, I get the sense from the things I've seen online and the things I've heard in the media, once again, a bit of a divide. And I, and I think it's just that it, it the, our, our passion for the game sometimes clouds our our uh, our vision on this, and that oh come on. You know, all right, they made a mistake, but let's not get crazy. I hear that one side. You guys are pounding on it way too much. It's enough already. And then I hear the other side. No, I hear people saying not only should they be, that the board should be cleared, but a lot of those people at the top should be charged. See, so there's the both extremes, right? Well, and the extremes are usually the loudest voices, yeah. right? Those are the ones screaming the loudest. And to be honest, around the rink, the bulk seem to be just in the quiet, not right. even talking about it. Right. It's, it's uh, Not that it doesn't hit the radar, but it's not the top topic of conversation. I mean, we've just been going through tryouts in the start of the regular season. Right. Parents are still worried more about their kids' ice time and points than they right. are about the money that goes to Hockey Canada. But, you know, at this time, it's also like I just paid those registration fees. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is in back of mind or certain maybe front of mind now that uh, this is a little sketchy what's going on. And when you keep hearing that these hearings are happening, I think we all know that, that change is usually pretty slow to come, mm-hmm. especially in public organizations. Uh, and so, you know, I think most people would feel uh, that most hockey parents, I, I can't speak for all of them, obviously, but feel that, okay, that's something's amiss here, and they're not handling this properly. Yeah, and hopefully, I, I like to see other provinces do the same thing that Quebec did. Good on them for uh, holding back on their funds. And that's that's what's going to make change happen quickly, because uh, inevitably, Hockey Canada will go, well, we're we're dying here on the vine, so we have to do something to well, appease everybody. Well, and without that sponsorship, those are huge yep. dollars. Yep. Uh, you know, ESSO would be another one to, to come, and I think TELUS is one of their major sponsors as well. So would, you know, if those two also decide, okay, we're going we're gonna to go along that way, because they paused last year, if they're going to yeah. continue that pause, I don't know how long Hockey Canada, especially if they don't get registration fees coming mm. in, can keep this up. It is funny, though, because I, I would think that in the rink there would be uh, talk of it, but again, I think that that goes to the uh, to the to the love of the game, and that you know some parents would just have the blinders on. They <clears throat> this is a this is something we don't want to know. This is a black mark on our our game. So we're whereas if it was any other organization, you get a lot of chatter because it doesn't affect them directly. Well, I, I think also in the, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, listen, a, a, a kid's hockey stick is now two hundred and twenty five dollars, yeah. right? So twenty five bucks to, uh, of your registration of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. that that have gone to your team, mm. 25 bucks with the Hockey Canada, I don't know if it really registers that high on the radar yet. Mm. It, all of this talk, obviously, has got people saying things have to change and that you know 
the uh, the dirty kind of protect themselves way too often mm. when it comes to the higher end of big companies. But yeah. uh, nevertheless, I don't think it really is the main topic. I don't know that it's the 25 bucks. I, I really think people should keep in mind that this money was going to a, a woman who was sexually assaulted. Oh, yeah. And that they covered that up. Right. More than the 25 bucks. I don't think happy about it. I don't, yeah. I don't think, you know, oh, I don't I'm think, not saying they're happy. I don't think they're sweeping it under the rug and saying, oh, that's just what happens in, in the sport. I think overall the sentiment is, yeah, it's being handled poorly, mm. and it probably should be a clean out up top. But is it the dominant conversation in the rink? No. No. Not from my perspective, no. at least. Probably the dominant conversation is, uh, how come my kid's not getting ice time? Is it still ice time? Oh, God. Oh, thank God I'm not there anymore. There's some talk about putting new labels on food. Uh, they already have a name for it. Now, you know, we already have it shows your calorie intake and percentages. Most of us don't even bother looking at that or reading it. Uh, sometimes I'll check out, like, the sodium content to see if it's too high. Right. Sugar with the kids. That yeah. Kind of but for the most part, we uh, don't bother. But there's talk of a new label. And they've already got a name for it. It's called PACE, which stands for Physical Activity Calorie Equivalence. Oh. And this study was done in England. And instead of just calorie counts on labels, printing the amount of exercise you'd need to burn them off. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, for example, a can of Pepsi with 150 calories might say you'd have to walk for 30 minutes or run for 15. What? Just to burn off a can of Pepsi? Well, what if I'm eating a whole box of Cheez-Its <laughs> for a five-hour jog? You sit down to a sleeve of Oreos, that's it. you got to run. Uh, most people, of course, when asked, say no. Not in favor of it, but they agree it would probably grab their attention more than just seeing the nutritional info. Yeah, I mean, even the fast food restaurants have had to put the nutritional info up, and we just, you know... No. Scoff. I, I think we know has, what we're doing. I think it has changed my mind a couple of times. Right. Like, there's certain ones where, okay, do I want the triple, the double, or the single? And when you see it, you go, ooh, we'll back off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there's sometimes you'll see online, there's a, a few different sites that uh, rate, you know, worst and best chicken sandwiches, worst and best burgers, and on and on it goes. And I've looked at a few of them over the years, and sometimes... <laughs> They'll go, all right, like the uh, the triple cheeseburger at such and such a place. Uh, one sitting, 12,000 calories. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that's it. You're done for the day. That one meal. Way beyond that. Dude, daily, it's like 2,500, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. I, I go around 25,000. Yeah. <laughs> the Elvis diet. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, you could put those labels on, and I'm sure for a while we would pay attention because it's something new, and you go, oh, I ate all that uh, dip. I've really got to go for a, a run. But after a while, we just go, I, I know what I'm doing to myself. Right. I'm going to eat this dip, and I'm still not going for the run. Yeah, but I, I, I guess if you saw it, though, because now you see it, you say, okay, this is more than I should be taking mm. in. But you don't really realize how much you have to do. Because mm. we also, like, I'm one who will say, well, yeah, I'm on the ice with the kids every now and then. I'm a, I'm a bit active. I'm moving around a little bit. <laughs> but if I saw, okay, I'm going to go have that, you know, combo at lunch, mm. and it's going to cost me, like, three hours of running mm -hmm. in order to do it. Like, holy crap. Yeah. Oh, and you enjoyed that combo. Who wants to burn it off? Right. <laughs> keep it with me for a while. It's another one of those silly name days. Today is uh, your National Pasta Day. 
And uh, we've been eating pasta or, I guess, noodles for at least about 4,000 years. Of course, China was uh, doing it first, but then those Italians came along and really ran with it. Right. Um, and so a bunch of uh, Italians were asked about the proper way to eat pasta. You know, Italy is very proud of their pasta traditions. And first and foremost, uh, no ketchup on pasta. Now, I don't know anybody. Is that a thing? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, okay, I say no ketchup on pasta, but I will put ketchup on mac and cheese. Even okay. if I make a homemade mac and cheese. Really? I'll put ketchup on it. Okay. Yeah, but... Yeah, but no other pasta. Huh. I would never mix it with, uh, you know, a linguine. Right. Linguine and ketchup. Order that at a fancy Italian I'll restaurant. Admit, I I don't know what noodle is for what sauce. Like I'll, right, I'll, okay. I'll and I will eat basically all of them in any mm. setting. You know, if I if I have an Alfredo sauce and I don't have a linguine noodle, I'll throw spaghetti in there. Yeah, what is what I believe, what I understand, is that if you're going to have a meat-based sauce, you should have like a a, a swirly noodle, something that the meat can get caught. Something that holds it. Right. Yeah, then the meat can get caught in the swirls. Whereas if you're just doing a straight-up plain sauce, then you're fine with a a linguine or a fettuccine or, or a spaghetti noodle. Huh. Um, no cutting pasta with a knife. Again, I've never seen that. You got to swirl. I, it drives me crazy, and I've learned. I was really bad at it. But I watch people struggle with spaghetti, right. trying to get it on their fork. But I have learned the, the I got it, I got it down to an art. The side of the spoon and yeah. the fork. The now, does that include then breaking it on the way into the? You're not supposed to break pot? it either. I, yeah. I understand. So yeah. maybe that's why people say don't mm. cut it up. Or I guess the kids when we were they were really young, we would just like slice it up in a tiny sure. little bit. Yeah, so they could get it in them. Yeah. Uh, putting pasta in cold water, then boiling it. Yeah, that's a no-no. You're supposed to boil the water first. Okay. Boiling it in plain water without salting. I always get confused, though, when the salting happens. Do we salt? Salt or the oil? I thought there was oil you put in No, there. you're never supposed to put oil. Now, my mom always did this, but then she did it because she believed it helped the pasta from sticking together once yes. you drained it. But, no, what you're supposed to do is you get your sauce uh, cooking, you, you do your pasta noodles, you drain them, and then you scoop out lots of the sauce and put it directly into the noodles and swirl that. Right, yes. So that stops from sticking. And then, of course, so you, you're never supposed to, and this is, I, I, I know my parents, again, always did this. If you're making spaghetti, you don't put it on the plate and then just dump sauce all over the noodles. Right. You're supposed to mix that all in the pot and then just a nice little serving on sauce. Simmer it together. All you know. over top, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, no putting oil in, salt the water, don't put the pasta in the cold water, no throwing it against the fridge to see if it's ready. Right. That's, that's a rule I, <laughs> I learned, too. That's right. No, that's, throw it against the tile, that's yeah, how you know. That's right. Rinsing pasta after you cook it, you're not supposed to do that. And then, like I just mentioned, putting pasta on your plate and sauce on top. Uh, garlic bread with pasta. Italians say it's unacceptable. Unacceptable? Yeah, well, because it, you're just doing a carb to a carb, I guess. But I do like, a, like I know with my in-laws, they never really eat garlic bread. They'll have bread. They'll have fresh bread all the time. And what you do is when you finish your bowl and you got that nice little simmering of a little bit of sauce in there. Yeah, you need to scoop, need that, to scoop up. that all up with the bread. Yeah, yeah. And garlic bread is great for that. Yeah. Yeah, again, I don't know why the Italians don't eat the garlic bread so much. They're all into the ciabattas and the French baguette. Oh, and they're putting oil and vinegar on it. Yeah. Well, that's that's crazy really stuff. good. Oh, that's good oh, as an appetizer. The balsamic and the oil and the uh -huh. salt and pepper. Oh, my gosh. I could dine just on that. <laughs> I love that. That is so damn good.
Um, salt and pepper. You're adding salt and pepper to that, into too? Into the oil and the balsamic. You have to. What? Yes. Yes. You need salt. Here's a guy. rules, man. Here's a guy who will put salt on everything at the table. Right. But somehow you find I, it offensive to put it in the oil. I just never heard of that. Really? I heard you mix the the yin and the yang there with the yeah. the, the balsamic and yeah. the olive oil. But yeah. I didn't know you are going to add salt and pepper to that, too. So if you've ever gone to like a nicer Italian restaurant and they put that on the table for you, you haven't noticed that they put the salt and pepper on it? There's always salt and pepper on the table. I've no, never seen the, them do that. No, I've never oh. seen them actually do that huh. prepared for you. Normally, you've got to prepare that yourself mm. oh no yeah yeah some places yes but a lot of times uh they'll they'll do it for you at the table well i'm not going to frankie linguini's or whatever here no, i've never been there i'd like to go there that would be nice. lasagna's whatever the hell his name was <laughs> That's right. there you go <laughs> i'm going to your more basic italian restaurants although i will say like i discovered uh sabrina's yes in oshawa yeah and, and like, that has changed lasagna mm. for me. Like, when you get someone who's, like, authentic mm-hmm. Italian, and, and there's, like, 11 layers of noodles mm-hmm. in that, and it's so flippin' good. Yeah, when you get the ricotta and everything in there, that, you know, like, that's like the whole other The deal. frozen ones from the chain store? Yeah, no good. No good. <laughs> it's, a, it's a far cry. It's funny, because with Maria, and it's just what you're used to, and then sometimes trying something different, my mom would always make uh, her own version of lasagna, and it was fine, but it was like noodles and ground beef and some Bravo sauce. Yeah, you're putting cottage cheese and stuff in and that, she, too, if it's, a, if it's a Canadian rep. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know that she did that. She would just throw in, like, um, um, plum tomatoes, like stewing tomatoes, tomatoes and then that you know right. salt and pepper and that would be it would get baked and that was that maria always liked it because it, it was kind of soupy whereas her mom's is very like it's not dry it's incredible but it's all just meat and ricotta and noodles and sauce and you know well that's and it. that's it there's different regions right yeah. like i had we had old italian neighbors when mm-hmm. i was growing up and she used to make a lasagna and, and it She'd make a baby. There's just two old Italians in the house, the, yeah. the, the couple, and so she'd always be sending it over. And it was, it wasn't, it was all right. But I was at that point used to the you know boiled noodle and and cottage cheese right. put into this thing yeah, yeah. with a whole like pound of meat, uh, <laughs> and it just was a completely different effect. No, for sure. So anyhow, follow the rules. If you're going to celebrate pasta day, do it right. You don't want an Italian angry at you. Remember the uh, Jays game where the uh, guy did the uh, marriage proposal and his uh, girlfriend slapped him and dumped the drink on his face? Yeah, it was a ring pop or something like that. Yeah, well, there's a bit of a, there's a, bit of a boo-ha-ha developing on the Internet over this. Some say he was a jerk, and others say she has zero sense of humor. There's another angle to this. Turns out that he might have had the real ring in his pants pocket. So he did this as a joke. Uh, right, yes. Expecting her to get it and yeah. laugh and maybe go, oh, it's beautiful, or play along. Right. And then he'd whip out the real ring. Okay. But no, she slapped him and poured the drink on his face. Now, if this was his plan all along and this is the woman he's asking to marry him, you would think he would know her level of sense of humor mm. and what she would be willing to do or not do. Because she reacted so badly, so quickly, and stomped away, I, I do blame him because he must have known she was that kind of sensitive about it all. Well, two things. One, I, I think some of this may have just been a stunt for clicks, right? Like mm-hmm. this is the, the sort of thing that goes viral and... and People make money off of it. So I don't know if it was all intended, uh, intentional to be uh, an actual proposal or more of just a, a stunt for online gain. But 
even if you can gauge, okay, you know, she would go over with this joke. I don't know if you can gauge that in an arena or stadium mm. setting. Because that's a whole different ball of wax, right? Like, if you did it in a private setting, did the ring pop, and not in a front of a, a huge amount of people, right. it might have you might have pulled that off. Mm-hmm. To do that, you know, in the on the stairs of a stadium at a ball game mm-hmm. with all sorts of people around and filming and cameras, um, that might have added to her frustration at the moment. Yeah, I, I've always thought all of that is, is really ridiculous. I think those moments should be fairly private, or at very least, you know, you do it in front of uh, family, family and, friends, and friends, that type of thing. But, yeah, but I, it just her reaction was just, it seems so over the top. You're, you might be right that they they planned it out together. He knew fully well she was going to slap him and pour the drink on him, and, and it's worked for them because people are talking about it and arguing about it. Uh-huh. I'd like to know, though, if they uh, if they have made up, if it was for real, and she got uh, that upset with them. Because, you know, I think 99%, maybe that's too high, but I think almost all of us, when we're going in for a proposal, we're pretty confident of the answer we're getting. Like, I, I you know, that discussion has been had. You know, I'm sure I, you I don't, know, I, I don't think it's nearly that high. Really? Eh? I don't think so at all. You think couples don't speak of marriage and then the proposal eventually arrives? I think uh, there are some that do. There's some uh, that wait a very long time for it, and mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. And I think there are probably a, a percentage and a fairly significant one, or one higher than we would imagine, of ones that don't see it coming mm-hmm. because... Sometimes it's like that, you know, we propose to save the relationship, right? Mm. Like you see the relationship kind of reaching the uh, a plateau of sorts, and you think, okay, well, what does it have to do to go to the next level? And for some, it's the proposal. The only time I think that a proposal comes out of left field is when it's way early in, like you've only been dating, say, half a year or something, and all of a sudden the guy shows up with a ring. In my mind, if you're dating two, three, four, and five years, that that you must both know where you want this to go. Right. Yeah. Once once it yeah if it's you know. years and years and yeah you're looking at it, it's not it shouldn't be a surprise at yeah. that point necessarily or or shock mm-hmm. a surprise yes. But if uh if he did have another ring in the other pocket and she pulled that stunt and he went and in his mind he's like all right I'm not forget it. <laughs> Like, I wonder if she... I'm sorry. I got a little wound up with the whole thing. With all this interest in uh, Jeffrey Dahmer again since this Netflix documentary, uh, somebody decided to uh, figure out, and I don't know how they did this, because Jeffrey Dahmer's dead, as is, uh, I guess, all of these. Is David Berkowitz dead? I'm not sure. Aline Warnos, I think she was put to death. Anyhow, um, somebody figured out who the serial killers... Uh, who their favorite bands were. Okay. So, for example, Jeffrey Dahmer, when, you know, not out killing and eating people, was enjoying himself some Black Sabbath. Ah, if only he'd stuck to bats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Some poor person. Like the worst moment in their life, and they got to die to <laughs> Iron Man. <laughs> Just please play some... <laughs> Play Paranoid. Let's get this over with. It's only two minutes long. Uh, John Wayne Gacy liked REO Speedwagon. Wow. Oh, sure. Neil Diamond and Bob Dylan also on his list. Tree Caroline. Uh-huh. Stab, stab, stab. 
Um, Richard Ramirez, like ACDC, Judas Priest, and of course Sabbath as well. All right. Charlie Manson liked himself some mamas and papas, Neil Young, and of course we know the Beatles. The Beatles in there. Were they looking for a trend, perhaps? I don't know. Like hard rock? Yeah, well then they, yeah. Remember there was they that... wanted to hear death metal as, as probably being part of it, or some, yeah. some looking for some reason to blame. Well, that's right. Remember there was that story back, was it in the 90s, when parents were trying to take, parents of children who had committed suicide, drug overdoses, were trying to take bands to court and blaming their music and lyrics on it. So, yeah, maybe this is part of the same deal. Um, Aline, uh, Aline Warnos liked uh, 10,000 Maniacs. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess that makes sense. I think it was Aileen. Um, and Son of Sam. David Berkowitz he enjoyed himself hauling oats. Wow. Yeah, it was that time, I guess. <laughs> sure. Or it was a Leaf game currently. <laughs> Rock Mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.